Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Take a Bible, please, and turn to Genesis chapter 17. We'll begin reading with verse 1, Genesis 17, 1. I had someone ask me a while ago, uh, it shows you how long it's been since I've been here. Someone asked me, are, are you like a preacher? <laughs> I'm like one, I guess. <laughs> I need to come around more often. Genesis 17. We're going to read this passage in a little bit, but before we get there, I want to talk to you quickly about the fact that you are blessed with Abraham. Blessed with Abraham. Let's say it together. I am blessed with Abraham. Now point your finger at someone and tell them, you are blessed with Abraham. Now Abraham, we know, we find all about him in the Old Testament. In fact, we find out about him in Genesis, which is not really the Old Testament. The Old Testament is considered the law, and that started in Exodus through Malachi. Actually, the law was still in force all the way until Jesus died and rose from the dead to the end of the Gospels. From, from Exodus through the end of the Gospels is where the law was enforced. And uh, but Matthew 1.1 tells us a little bit about that. Matthew 1.1 says, The book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's the only genealogy in the Bible like it that has this little preamble to it, a, an, a sort of intro that has two names picked out of the genealogy in the first verse of it. And it, the, the names are Abraham and David. I think that's wonderful that it, when it brings up Jesus, it instantly wants us to be connected, uh, understand that he is connected to David and Abraham. Jesus, David, and Abraham in the first verse. It could have picked out any number of Jesus' ancestors, but it picked out David and Abraham. And the reason being... That God is telling us something in the very first verse of the New Testament, what it is about. It's about what these two men were about, Abraham and David. Jesus is all about this, a kingdom of love. David's name means love, and he was all about the kingdom. He was the, everyone still calls him in Israel. They still call him the great king. If you mention the great king, you don't even have to say his name. They'll say David. They wear the star of, not Solomon, the star of David. They, he was their great king. There had never been a full kingdom of Israel until David came on the scene. Even though Saul was the first king, the kingdom was not, was not one piece. All the tribes, they, there were two pieces to it, and not, all, not everyone recognized Saul. It became one kingdom under David. Now get this, the kingdom of love. But Abraham represents to you and me something unique in the world, faith. And a covenant of faith. We're going to read about the covenant today that Abraham made with God. Not that God made with Abraham, but that Abraham made with God. Because God made this covenant. I don't mean to say he didn't. But we're, what we're going to focus on today is Abraham's aspect of this. Abraham's part of this. And what benefits come out of being in covenant with God. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse, well, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. 
In verse 19 says, that is to say that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto, unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What that means is that God got over his anger and finished his side of the covenant when Christ died and was buried and rose again from the dead. If you ever hear anybody talking about an angry God, just mark this down. They've got him confused with the devil. You'd be mad, too, if you got whipped like, like the devil did. He's still angry. He's still doing everything he can, going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the Bible teaches us that God reconciled himself to mankind. God finished the work. When Jesus said it's finished, that means that the law was finished and God had fully reconciled himself to man. God got over it. Whatever was wrong, and you read, you read the, the letters of the Apostle Paul, almost every single time when he opens a greeting, he says, peace from God our Father. And the word peace there is not shalom. The word there is the Greek word irene. Irene, and irene means, I love to roll my R's, irene. It means an end to the rage and havoc of war. A state of national tranquility. That means that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead, the grace of God went out to man and God was saying he was over it. Whatever went wrong came right again, and now he offers peace. Every time the apostle pens the book, any, any book, you read it, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, he says the same thing. Peace from God the Father. Peace from God the Father. He's not angry. He's for you. He's with you. He's all about you. Glory be to God. I hear preachers do it. Oh, God is angry. Yeah, well, maybe the God you worship, but the one I know is not. The God of the Bible is not angry. He's not angry with you. Yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I did. I know, I know, I know. I'm, and I'm saved and I still did it. I know, I know. He didn't save you because you were smart. <laughs> no. Can I have a good amen? All right. <laughs> Genesis 17, oh, and Galatians 3, but before we go there to, to, to Genesis, even as Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, verse 7 says in Galatians 3, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. That's why we're going to talk about today being blessed with Abraham. Genesis 17, 1 says, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, can I say to you, it's never too late to get started with God. Oh, I just spent my youth on riotous living, and here I got saved in my late years. I just don't know. Hey, 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 99. 99. It's not too late for you. Anybody here 99 or more? No? So it's not too late for you. 99 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. When God says it, uh, Daniel Plowman taught us this years ago, that when God says, I'll make my covenant between me and thee, he's saying he's going to pay for everything. When he, when he says, mention him first, he's saying, I, this covenant deal is on me. They, they say that in the Middle East, if they invite you to dinner and they say, let me and you go to dinner, they're saying it's on them. If they say, let's you and I go, then you're, you're paying for your own. 
Verse 3, And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Skip down to verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. The land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Y'all, y'all hear all the these and thous and art and all that? That's because I read the authorized version, the King James version of the Bible. If you're happy with the Toys R Us version, I guess you can just go ahead and <laughs> keep that. But All right. I, you... There's a few things you need to know from this passage of Scripture. The few things you need to know is, first of all, you have a covenant. Secondly, you have, a, you have the power to multiply. Thirdly, you have a new identity. And fourth, you have responsibility. Well, I got two people happy about having responsibility. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we're getting somewhere. Now, you have a covenant. You have the power to multiply. You have a new identity. And you have responsibility. Let's talk about you having a covenant now. In America, we don't really understand covenants. We understand contracts. How many of you, had to, how many of you have a home? You have a house. Let me see. How many of you had to sign a contract to get it? How many of you wish you hadn't? Anyway, <laughs> we, we understand con- covenants, don't we? I mean, we understand contracts, don't we? But we really don't understand what covenant is. Because contracts, you know, with all that's going on in our economy these last few years, we found out that contracts really are breakable. (laughs) Contracts are breakable. Covenants, not, not so much. Because covenants were written in blood. When a covenant's written in blood and blood is backing it, then life is required of it if it's ever broken. Wow. Life is required of it if it's ever broken. Whoever breaks it requires their life, in it for good, in it to win it, all the way. No turning back. We, don't, we just don't really understand all that much about it these days. But the covenant based on, is based on blood. The word comes from an old Hebrew word, berith, B-E-R-I-Y-T-H, berith, and it means to cut. And that's why we, to this day we say we're going to cut a deal with somebody. Well, you cut a deal with them. A thousand years ago, that meant you were going to shed some blood to prove how serious you were about it. And in, uh, in certain parts of the world, they still practice bloodshed in order to make, make contracts. They'll either they'll pierce a hand and take their thumb and put a, put a, a thumbprint in, in their own blood on the contract. You'd rather have that from them than have them sign their name because they mean it for life if they make that contract. Because that turns that contract into a a covenant. Now it's real serious. Now it's real important. We used to know about these things. And God didn't say that. He said, I'm going I'm I'm to work a deal with you. I'm going to have a contract with you. No, he said, I'm making a covenant with you. I'm making a covenant with you. I'm making a covenant with you. Almighty God is talking about shedding blood for him. When God says... My covenant will be between me and you. God is promising him that he is going to shed blood for this. You understand this? God's promising that he has blood in the mix. That's why the Bible says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. He was not 
crucified before the foundation of the world, but he was slain before the foundation of the world. It already had to be in the works, in the heart and voice of God, or it could not have been so. He could not have been promising Abraham to make a covenant unless that blood in the heart and mind of God was already shed. Can I have a good amen? You understand this? When God says something, his word goes out there and it becomes whatever he said. The power of creation rides on the word of God. God said, let there be light. And those words went out of his mouth. They did not go out of his mouth as light. They went out of his mouth as words. But they went out there and became light. Oh, that's good right there. That's better preaching than you're shouting. If if you need something in your life, the first thing you need to do is get words in your mouth to, to send them out there, glory to God. Send those words out there, and they'll become what the word describes. Glory to God. I am the owner of a debt-free house. Amen. I'm sending those words out there. I'm the owner of a debt. I did sign one of those contracts. I am the owner of a debt-free house. Glory to God. I'm a homeowner. My house is debt-free. You need to say some things like that. You need to start putting words out there to create what it is that you want in your life. Amen. God wants you to live peaceably. He wants you to live debt-free. He wants you to live in health. Amen. Because you have a covenant. We, we today, we, didn't we, didn't we uh, receive communion? Wasn't there blood involved in it? Yeah, Jesus replaced the cup for our communion's sake. So, because drinking blood has never been a biblical thing. Never been, never been God's way. But he symbolizes it that something really did happen. That the blood of Jesus, because it was God's blood too. It was God's blood too. Genetics tells us that anytime a baby is born, hallelujah, every baby born has part of its mother's blood and part of its daddy's blood in it. Genetics proves this, proves it, that that baby's blood is made up both of its mother and its father, not just its father. Religionists used to go around saying, oh, it was only the blood of God. If it was only the blood of God, you do not have a covenant. It's only a covenant when both sides shed blood. It's only a covenant when both contribute to the covenant. Glory to God. The saddest thing in the world is when there's a covenant made between a man and a woman and only one of them works at, the thing, at, at, at keeping the covenant. Only one of them has ever paid anything to make the covenant. You understand this? God and man. God became man and he, he, he put, his own, whew, put his own blood mixed with David's blood, the Bible teaches us, in Mary and made a covenant in the body of Jesus. So that's when he says, my, this is my body broken for you. This is my, the blood of the new covenant. He's saying something big there. Saying something powerful. He's saying that you have a right to have access to God as though you were married to him. I said, he says that you have a right to have access to God as though you were married to him. My wife does not knock when she comes into the bathroom. She should, but she doesn't. (laughs) You have a right to have access to God as though you were married to him. All right. Mm, You have a covenant. And our covenant has some things to say about it. You see, I wondered why, why when Jesus was a baby in the manger... Was he any less the Son of God then than he was when he hung on Golgotha's tree? No. He was every bit the Son of God there as he was on Golgotha. So his blood would have taken away the sins of the world had he died in the manger. And, you know, it seemed like it would have saved a lot of time and headache. But covenants are not just about shedding blood. 
And your redemption is not only about the blood of Jesus being shed for you. Your redemption, that is the culmination of it, and that is the most important part of it. But that's not all it's about. Part of it was about Jesus giving you the fulfillment of Scripture so that you'd know He was the one we've been looking for all along. The Bible kept talking about Him over and over and over. I don't know how many 3,000 prophecies about, about Messiah coming, and He fulfilled them all. The chances of anybody else fulfilling them are astronomical, one to a trillion or something. Ridiculous. More than all the people that have ever lived on the planet. Impossible that He could have done it that he could have planned to just go out and fulfilling scriptures. It was impossible for anyone to plan it. And yet Jesus fulfilled all of the scriptures. He, it was important so we would know he was the right one. Secondly, we needed an example of a spirit-filled life. We'd never seen, seen that. Now, we saw David like, act like a hero. Then we saw him act like a... Well, y'all know. We saw Samson. Woohoo! Uh-oh. One day, he's a hero. The next day, he's a zero. One day, we want to be like him. Came and left off those guys. The Spirit came and left. Oops, I don't have to have that on. I don't. They, the Spirit was on them, but he was not in them. He come upon them, and he'd leave them. Come upon them and leave them because they were not born again. He could not tabernacle with them. He couldn't come and stay like he did with you, like a New Testament believer. He had to come and go. So when he was there, they looked great. When he was gone, they looked like your mother-in-law or worse. Some people have good mother-in-laws. I shouldn't say that. I have a good mother-in-law. Example of a spirit-filled life, that's what we had to have. And Jesus had the spirit all the time, without measure. He didn't get up one day having a bad mood, being in a bad mood, you know, and do something silly. No, he was always on. The third reason he lived out for 33 and a half years is for the destruction of the works of the devil. Did you all notice that everywhere Jesus went, there were sick people? Everywhere he went, there were sick people. Everywhere he went, there was religious idiots. Everywhere he went, he had, he had the works of the devil to deal with. And the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The destruction of the works of the devil was part of, part of his mission. That's why he couldn't die in the manger to, to save us. He had to show us how to live, but first he had to get us set free. And then the last thing was this. He went around preaching. The Bible says he was preaching the kingdom. Went around preaching, and all of that preaching, he was doing something powerful. He was giving us promises. That is, he was laying down, laying down, if you will, the terms of the covenant. Telling us what, what's in this thing for us. He made some of the most outlandish promises. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever. Everybody shout out whatsoever. Whatsoever he says. Now that's a promise. Uh, that's a promise. Miss Ann made me some good promises when we got married, but she couldn't make me that kind of promise. Jesus makes promises that are amazing. And he did it to let you know that you have access to God as though you were married to him. Hmm. Notice verse 2. And I will make 
my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. You have the power to multiply. It's not God's will that you live your life singularly. It is not God's will that you live your life doing without. It is not God's will that you live your life without having an impact in the world. It is the will of God for you to multiply in every aspect of your life. He created you, glory to God. He created you big. He made you a champion when he created you. Did he not? Yes, he made you a champion when he created you. Amen. You all are here because you won that million man marathon. On the day you were conceived, hallelujah, you won the race. That means that the very fact that you're here means you're a champion. It was a million, a million contestant marathon to, to the egg, and you got there first. Amen. Came into this world a champion. God intended on you thinking like that. He intended on you coming into this world planning to conquer and to win every battle, to win every race, to win every fight, to climb every mountain. Did not intend on you coming in here getting used to failure. He intended on you hating failure. Not hating yourself. See, people become self-loathing when they don't know how to hate failure. They consider themselves failures and hate themselves. God never intended on that. He intended on you to hate failure. Hey, let Junior not get the trophy if he doesn't win, okay? Make him hate it. He won't hate you. He'll hate failure. I know I didn't get as many amens on that, but it's still true. God created you to win. He created you to be a champion. And if you by yourself cannot win, then he created you with multiplying power so that you can just outnumber the enemy. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's why the North won the war. Don't, Southerners don't have to be told what war. <laughs> it was just one. Why the North won? They couldn't beat Robert E. Lee. He made all the Northern generals look like idiots. They couldn't, yeah, amen, praise God. He's preaching good now, Martha. Get down here quick. <laughs> I mean, if you know anything about the Civil War, you know that's true. But Ulysses S. Grant decided he wasn't going to play chess with Robert E. Lee. He said, I got ten times as many people, I'm just going to swarm him, and that's exactly what he did. He just won by swarming the South with troops. Just swarmed him. Lee, Lee couldn't handle that. Let me tell you something. I don't care how, how smart the devils are that attack you. God has put multiplying power in you. There will never be any more demons than there are. There will never be any more demons than there are right now. That's why, the, why Jesus put it like this, where two on earth agree is touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father. You have multiplying power in you. You have multiplying power. You have the ability to multiply. You say, well, my friends are picking on me. Pray for them and win them to Jesus. That was God's plan all along. Bring them to Christ. Amen. Amen. Bring them in. Do whatever it takes. Well, I just, uh, 
I don't know where we're going to get the money. Listen, you have, if, if what you have in your hand is not enough to meet the need, then that must be your seed. Plant that seed. Glory to God. Multiply. You have multiplying power in you. It's not, it's not whether the power is in you. It's whether or not you'll believe it. Everybody hearing this? It's not whether or not the, the power is in you, the multiplying power is in you. It's whether or not you will believe it. Amen. Look down at verse 5. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, Avram. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Wow. Lord, have you not read my resume? I'm a shepherd from Chaldee. Mesopotamia, I'm a, I'm a sheep herder. <laughs> you, you, you really, you're saying that king, I'm going to be the father of kings? What do you think I am? A king? Are you hearing this? God has a much higher opinion of you than you ever will of yourself. This is not pride we're, in, we're trying to instill in you, trying to instill faith in you to think like God thinks. God does not see you as a sheep herder. God sees you as a progenitor of kings. Glory to God. You have a new identity. You have a new identity. That's why you had to get born all over again. See, there are certain laws in place, and one of the biggest laws that there is in place in the whole wide world, and God thought that this law was the answer to everything. It's this law. There shall not cease to be seed time and harvest. Whatever is sown, that you will reap. You can't change that law. You can't alter that law. God said as long as the earth remains. God won't even alter that law. How many of you sowed some bad seeds before you knew Jesus? Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Amen. Lou, you, didn't never, it, you never did anything wrong. You just raised your hands to be sympathetic to the rest of us. Now, if Lou Hyatt raises her hands, everybody's got to raise their hand. How many of you sowed a few bad seeds and you're like, yeah, okay, now, now you're getting honest. <laughs> what are you going to do about all that? What do you do to keep, I mean, seed time and harvest, you're going to, I actually heard a preacher on the radio one time years ago say, I don't care if you are saved, you're going to have to pay for all those bad seeds you sowed. You can't change the law of seed time and harvest. And that's right, you can't. Even God couldn't change it, not after he said it would remain forever. God can't change that. So he had another idea. He changed you. He changed you. He, he couldn't change the laws of seed time and harvest, but he could do something about you. He could give you a whole new identity. Now those bad seeds are looking for somebody to dump on. Where did he go? Knock on your door. That looks like David Garner. I picked him because I knew, you know, he'd sold some seeds. Come <laughs> pull up to David's house. I'm going to, ah, oh, there, I finally found you. There you are. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's David Garner on the mailbox. <laughs> Smell like David Garner. It looks like David Garner. But he said, Jesus is Lord. That ain't the David Garner that we know. 
That harvest still roaming around out there, roaming around out there trying to find you. And God has you right here and wide open, incognito, a brand new creature. Glory to God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have done what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Come on, high five somebody. That's a good word right there. Glory to God. Amen. He couldn't change the laws of seed, time, and harvest, so he just changed you. You have a new identity. Born again, not reaping the harvest of bad seeds sown in former life. Made you something altogether different. Verses 9 through 14, I'm not going to take time to read it all. But I will just tell you, in that passage of Scripture, verse 10, This is my covenant, God said, which you shall keep between me and you. And your seed after you. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you. And thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be. Well, Abraham was a man child. That circumcision business had to start with him circumcising himself. Mildred, I'm just too tired to go to church. I don't know why they have a 9.30 service. Um, even that 11 o'clock service don't get out till noon. It's just too high a price to pay. Really? Your walk with God requires you to be somewhere on time. <laughs> How many of you are thankful it didn't cost you that? You women just sitting there going, who cares? I don't care. <laughs> How many of you men are glad it didn't cost you that? <laughs> women are thinking, that's not a bad deal. Get him out of the house for a few days. I don't know if I told you. Did I tell you all that Miss Ann went down, to the, went down to the bank and took out a home improvement loan? Came, came home, handed me the money, said, now get out. Home improvement. She didn't really. She just said, get out. <laughs> but you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility in this covenant. Now, you're, you're taught. You know. You're never going to hear from this pulpit that you've got to work to be saved. But the Bible does teach that those of us who are in this covenant by faith are supposed to work. We have something to invest. The kingdom is waiting on us to do something, to be responsible, to be good citizens, to be good, good members of the local church, to tithe and to give and to support our youth who are going on missions trips. I mean, I mean, you look around the world, you see young people just going nuts. Here's this bunch serving Jesus in church in, in order to raise money to go to the mission field. That ought to crank you up big right there. God bless our youth. They're not like everybody else. They're not like the world out there. They're doing something with their life that's meaningful, glory to God. Tithing up front, if you will, with their lives. I'm just here to tell you, young people, if you tithe your life up front, 
for the rest of your life, you'll have open heavens above you. Glory to God. The promise of the tithe. You have responsibility. Old man was in the hospital, spilled a cup of water. He rang for the nurse's aide. She came in there. She said, well, that spill is a little large for me. I'm going to call housekeeping. So she calls housekeeping down there, and they come down, and they see the puddle of water. And they say, that puddle of water is too small for you to call me. You're the nurse's aide. You clean up this puddle. The nurse's aide said, it's too large. Housekeeping said, it's too small. Nurse's aide said, it's too large. Housekeeping said, it's too small. They didn't notice the old man. He reached over and got the whole jug of water and dumped it in the floor. said, does that settle the argument? I mean, if you don't take responsibility, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, if you don't take responsibility for the things that are yours to do, it'll just get worse. It'll just get worse. I used to ask the Lord, why did you give me such a nagging wife? Why does she nag like that? And the Lord said, she doesn't nag. I said, apparently... You and I aren't listening to the same woman because she grabs at me. He said, no, she doesn't. The problem isn't that what she says to you. It's that you lie to her all the time. I, I, I never lie to her. Yeah. She says, John, take out the trash. And you say, just a minute. Ten minutes later, the Cowboys still haven't scored. And the trash is running over. And so, John, take out the trash. 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 Oh, yeah, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. Y'all notice how quiet it is in here? (laughs) (laughs) One woman. It's a good word. And the Lord said, she'll stop nagging if when she asks you to do something, you'll just get up and go do it. She'll say it once. Did I start doing it? I'm right here in front of God and everybody. You tell them. You did. And she did. Hallelujah. (laughs) She says it. I get up and go do it. And all that stuff went away. It was me all along. You understand? I'm not saying that. It's going to work that way in your house. I'm just saying how it worked in my house. But for me, taking responsibility for what I was really supposed to be doing all along anyway. You understand this? You understand this? God gave you something to do, and you know what it is. You know what the Lord wants from you. To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly, that is in faith with your God. To be serious about your relationship with Him and to be serious about your relationship with the body of Christ. You see, the blood doesn't just flow from heaven to you. The blood flows in large measure to you through the body. Every joint supplying. 
I hear people say things like that, saying, well, I don't know. I, you know, I, sometimes I go to that church, and sometimes I go to that church, and sometimes I go to that church. Well, what if you got up one morning and you had Ralph Jean's arm on? Or you had Billy Bob's arm on? And you're smooth, and he's hairy. And you're six foot, and he's six foot nine. What if you got up one morning and you had somebody else's face? It would be a blessing for some of us, but. <laughs> huh? You're going to say, what's wrong with my body? What's wrong with my body? The parts aren't in the right place. I've got the wrong parts. Are you hearing me? God puts you where you are. Now, you're here in church. I'm not scolding you for being here. I'm just saying. Next Sunday's coming. Next Wednesday's coming. We all have parts to play in the body of Christ. You know, there's somebody at your work that the Lord's been dealing with you about talking to. You say, I don't know how to lead him back to Jesus. Do you know how to invite him to church? Can I have a better amen? I mean, we have responsibility. You have something to do. Abraham had to circumcise himself and then try to talk everybody else that was working for him into it too. Can you imagine that? What poor Eliezer was thinking. All right, we, you, you've changed your name. Now we've got to call you father of a multitude. Now you went from being silly to just insane. And then we've got to take our knives. And to keep our jobs, we've got to do this. Hmm? Jesus already took all the pain for you. He already paid a horrible price for you. It used to be... Do good, get good, do bad, get bad. Now it's this. You are saved by grace through faith. Now it's about what you'll believe. Now it's about what you'll believe. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Father, I thank you for these, your precious people, these darlings that have committed themselves to know you in this way, to fellowship here at this church, to be a part of the blessings of Abraham. I'm asking now in the name of Jesus, my Father, that you'll help them because they have a covenant to understand the truths of what it means to be in covenant, that they have the power to multiply, that they have a new identity, and that they have responsibility. Help the people of God to grow, to grow in the things of God, to read their Bibles, to pray, and to grow I'm asking, Lord, that you'll help this word to fall, cause it to fall into good ground. And I rebuke every demonic force that has tried to bring misunderstanding. And I release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ for the people of God today. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed, please, just for a moment, I want to ask, who here in this room will say, Preacher, you talking to me. I need God today. I need God today. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. See? If that's you, you need to know that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. We've been talking about covenant, but right now I'm telling you how to get into this covenant. Because you can't get in any other way. There are not ten ways of doing it. There's one. Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. You have to believe that. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You have to believe that. But the moment you'll believe that, all about Jesus, that He did it for you. 
instantly your life is thrown over onto his and every good thing that ever that 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 ever happened to the Lord Jesus can happen to you you can have access to God as though you were married to him Whew. who in this room will say preacher you're talking to me i need the lord i need to be saved and i need it right now who will lift a hand and just say pray for me now wherever you are wherever you are the lord loves you he wants you he cares about you and he'll take you just like you are. Okay, thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet and pray together. Pastor Eric's coming to pray. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.